This is the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast, and I'm your host, Cindy. I gladly welcome you to this comfy, cozy space for introverts, highly sensitive people, and solopreneurs who help and heal. This is a place for practical, nature-based, magical support for your business and life. Gather around the hearth, get comfortable, and settle in. I'm glad you're here. Hello there, and welcome back to the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast. I'm your host, Cindy. Here in episode 82, I'll be chatting with Megan Meganson about the concept of lifestyle creep and how to determine when enough is enough. Here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast. I'm back today with Megan Meganson. We were together last week talking about the concept of rest as revenue, and we're continuing our conversation today about lifestyle creep. So welcome back, Megan. I am thrilled to be back for part two, Cindy. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. So we were chatting about a lot of things. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode, go back and listen to that as we're continuing our train of thought into this one. But we, um, yeah, we're kind of off on the topic of lifestyle creep right now and how we, I know that we kind of ended talking about would we trade our jobs now and the flexibility that we have being solopreneurs for a 40 hour week, Monday through Friday job where we're working for someone else for like a million dollars? No, probably not. And then we were like, oh, well, what about $10 million? And it's like, well, I might have to think about that one, but there's a lot of <laughs> things that you need to assess. Mm-hmm. And that really got me to thinking about this whole concept of lifestyle creep and when is enough enough? Because there is unlimited things out there that we can want that oh, we can, because yeah. I, if I, you know, could have anything that I wanted, I would probably I'm obsessed with castles. I would probably like, if I had unlimited funds, I might buy a big ass castle somewhere. And, but then it's like a retreat in your (laughs) castle because that would be amazing. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. But thinking about that, that concept, it's such a, uh, I don't know, such a big, a big thing. And I think we can really get caught up in more chasing the dollar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause there's always something bigger, something nicer, something more exclusive, uh, more of a good thing. Yeah. It's, this is real. And I'm, I'm feeling this in my own life right now in a big way. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to dig into it with you right now. Here we go. Ah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I think about it, it, it really is. And I think we talked about that concept of just coming back home to yourself and what you really value. And it's, yeah. is this upgraded home or this specific car or this boat or the ability to travel more, like, are these your values? Is it truly going to make you happier? And Mm -hmm. some of it may, and a lot of it doesn't like you work so hard to get this thing. And I love that, that saying, uh, wherever you go, there you are. So it's Mm -hmm. like moving to this new place or getting this nicer house or doing this thing. It's like, Oh, when I get that, then I can be happy. Mm -hmm. So you get sucked into that trap Mm -hmm. as well. Right. Yeah, that does. That is a really sticky trap, isn't it? Um, Yeah, if I could just upgrade my car, and then I won't have this car problem anymore, and then I'll be happy. And and then if I could just, yes, okay, we could give a thousand (laughs) examples. Um, 
you know, what I'm what I'm thinking about is I'm thinking about my own life and I'm definitely in a moment in my own life where I'm really trying to get clear both on when is enough enough and for in terms of my lifestyle and also I've been thinking about my my coaching business and the way that I've kind of constructed my coaching programs and like how do I really want to be showing up and so this exploration started for me um I was working with a really fantastic business coach for about a year who was doing what I asked him to help me do, which I I was like, I really need to find a way to, for my programs to be less reliant on my, on face-to-face time with me. Like, I don't want to like pivot business models only to inadvertently recreate a private practice structure where I have to be on Zoom uh, all the time. And I lose the flexibility and I could feel that starting to happen. So I was like, I really need help making this more scalable, right? Scalability for those who are unfamiliar, it's just this idea that you create a business where you can increase your revenue, you can sell more things, you can bring on more clients without it requiring more of your time and attention. So we were really working towards this goal. And I think I might've gone in a little too deep. I'm still kind of figuring this out, Cindy, but what I've realized in some of my programs is now like I'm I'm so far removed that I'm actually missing some of the intimacy with my clients. I'm missing some of the the really intimate, um, deep, meaningful communities that I was curating. So I was sitting down with my husband, Jonathan, the other day, and I was like, all right, I got to like, what's going on here? Because like I, ach- I achieved my objective of making my coaching program unlimitedly scalable. And now I'm feeling a little unhappy and like, ah, here I am again having to like revise what I've created. And he so wisely reflected back to me. He was like, well, well, why did you want to remove yourself completely? You really love your clients. And, and I was like, well, I guess I just wanted to feel free. I wanted to feel free and I wanted to be able to make more money. And and that led to this really interesting conversation about freedom, which is maybe like a topic for another podcast interview, um, but also about lifestyle creep. So we talked a lot about freedom and what that meant to me and the relationship between freedom and intimacy with clients and face-to-face time. Um, and then we were talking a lot about money and, okay, yes, we need to be able to to make more money, but how, when is enough enough? When can we say like, this is, we don't need to make any more money than this. We bought, I bought a house last year in Portland, Oregon. It was very expensive as houses on the West coast tend to be. And there are things that I want to do, you know, like I really want a Japanese cedar soaking tub in my backyard. I'd like really want it. This is like my dream right now. I have an inflatable hot tub, which is rad and so awesome, but I would love to upgrade. Right. So I'm like, okay, I know I want the hot tub, but then what else? Like, do I need anything else after that? So I know this is like so specific to my situation, but I guess I just want to like be in the messiness of this with you, Cindy, and with the people listening to your podcast of this conversation. It does just feel like me going back to the drawing board every single day to say, what do I really want? And, and you know, maybe I don't need to fly first class everywhere I go. <laughs> like Maybe that's like not something I really need. And it's just this constant tweaking and rearranging and trying to check myself around my own lifestyle creep so that I can just be satisfied with where I am in my business. And I don't feel like I have to continue growing. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
is any of this making sense to you? Yes, absolutely. I (laughs) think that I'm so relieved. (laughs) Yeah. I think that unless you, I think this is probably pretty rare for almost everyone, um, for someone to be able to do this, but unless you can increase your income without increasing everything else in your life, then Mm -hmm. maybe you might have that extra money to play with. But I think that unless you really take a look at it, the more money you make, you think, oh, if I can make $10,000 more next year, that's going to be like $10,000 extra dollars. Or if I can make $50,000 more next year, that's going to be like $50,000 extra dollars. But as you're bringing in more money, a lot of times it's like, oh, well, I will um, maybe shop at this different grocery store because Mm -hmm. this is you know, where I really want to shop instead of Kroger or yeah. And I think all those little decisions, even if you make $50,000 more next year, you might not have any extra money than you did the year when you were making $50,000 less, unless you're really intentional about not changing your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And then you will have that bonus Mm $50,000. I think that is so true. I mean, I've certainly experienced, I mean, I generate way more revenue now than I did 10 years ago when I first started private practice. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't feel like I'm just like rolling in like a pool of cash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And isn't that so fascinating that we are so quick to adjust our lifestyle accordingly. And it, it does come back to exactly like what you're saying, intentionality. And mm-hmm. am I really choosing? With alignment, you know, alignment in my body, in my mind, am I choosing what is most important to me in my life? Am I giving myself budgets to work within? Or am I just making more money, spending more money, making more money, spending more money? Because I feel like the past year I've started doing that a bit, just like, oh, I'm making more money. And now we're just like eating out all the time and I'm having like the best cocktails and it's super fun. Um, but I can feel, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm losing alignment a little bit. Like I've lost touch a bit with like, what is it that I really want to construct in my life? And how can I do that more thoughtfully so that I don't feel this pressure? Cause this is where it becomes a problem for me. The problem is that I start feeling pressure to make more money and more money and more money. And when that pressure is not commiserate with what I intentionally have crafted for myself or what I, what I want, like deep in my soul, that's when the burnout creeps up. It's when that, it's when there's that misalignment and I'm just feeling a lot of pressure that really, it it wouldn't be there if I would just check myself and organize things a little more clearly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I'm just thinking if I had an extra like $20,000 landed in my lap this year, I can already think that it's going to be gone. Like I need a new air conditioning. I need my air conditioning unit downstairs replaced and heat and all that. And I think it's going to be like $10,000 and then just one or two more projects around the house or just paying off a credit card or paying off a loan. And it's like, that's immediately gone. And that's like $20,000 and it would be gone in like two days. And then it's kind of like, oh yeah, I've uh, maybe paid off a few things and got something fixed, but there's always going to be something else. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be something else. So how I'm curious, Cindy, like, how do you sort through this and in your own sort of business planning? Um, well, 
I mean, I don't have a good answer either. So we can be in this together, but I feel like people listening (laughs) are going to be like, okay, cool. I am like totally on board with what you're saying, but like, what does that actually mean in practice? And I'm like thinking about that in my own head right now. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. well, what does this mean in practice? How do we take this philosophy that we obviously both agree on? Like, we don't Mm -hmm. want lifestyle creep to be the primary driving force for the decisions that we make in our businesses. So how do we make sure that that doesn't happen? Yeah, I'm still working on it because I do feel when I have money come in, I immediately, you know, pay it on my bills or I, um, you know, fix something in my house or on my car. And so, and I don't know that that's, I mean, that's not necessarily lifestyle creep, but it, it prevents me from having like a buffer or a savings or, you know, any of that, that. I can, I can draw on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm imagining if I were to come into some money, what would I do with that? Would I expand mm-hmm. my lifestyle in that? Would I buy a different house? Would I get a different car? And mm-hmm. I think that um, it's in those decisions that where we can prevent or encourage the lifestyle creep. Mm-hmm. Um, So it is kind of that push pull. Okay. If I were in the market for a new car, like what would I get? And I'm like, okay, let me go back into my values. And is it important for me to have, cause there's some really nice cars that are not like super expensive. Like I've seen some that are like $30,000 that are just as nice and fancy as the you know, 80 or $90,000 more name brands are the yes. ones like that are, are more luxury. So I'm like, yeah, I think that's a, a practical example of where I wouldn't allow lifestyle creep to come in mm-hmm. uh, because I can get the really nice, this car for $30,000 and it has the things that I need versus going for maybe if I had unlimited funds and didn't have to think about it and money wasn't an issue. Yeah. I might get like a Land Rover or something really, but then it's like, but why is it because that's like a, um, I don't know, like considered a fancy car. Is it because I like the way it looks? I don't know. (laughs) I know. I know. Or is it because, yeah. Is it, is it because of, of what it tells the world about me? You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, look at this. I'm I'm driving a BMW. That means I'm really killing it at work. You know, that mm-hmm. means like I'm really nailing this whole life thing. Um, yeah, I think that is such a good example. I'm thinking as I'm listening to you, like, okay, I want to be honest that I am unapologetically a person who does really love luxury. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do. Like, I like really nice spas, I like very nice hotels. Uh, I like very expensive meals and, um, you know, I'm like, I'm not rich, uh, but I mean, well, I take that back, like compared to most people on the face of planet earth, like I am mm-hmm. like the richest, yeah. um, relative to the place that I live, you know, the city in which mm-hmm. I live, like I'm, I'm not rich relative to the people around me, to my neighbors, but I really like nice things. So for me, I think lifestyle creep cannot be untangled from the conversation about how much do I want to work and in what ways Mm -hmm. do I want to work? Yeah. Because I would be really happy living a very luxurious lifestyle, but not when it means that I have to work 40 to 60 hours a week, 
with no flexibility, like really feeling like I'm hustling and grinding, not having the kind of the luxurious flexibility that we talked about in the last in the last episode. It's it really is this very nuanced and complex relationship between the two for me mm-hmm. that I feel like I'm trying to to understand within myself. Yes, I would love to have all of these really nice things, but are you okay, so all let's do the math, right? All of these really nice things, I'm making this up, means that you would need to generate $750,000 a year so that you could pay yourself $500,000 a year. Like $500,000 a year, you would get to do the nicest of all of the things that you love to do. Okay, great. Now, let me ask myself, what would I have to change in the way that I'm operating my business right now to get to $750,000 a year as quick as possible? What would that look like? What decisions would I have to make? What kind of programs would I have to run? What kind of marketing strategies would I have to use? And when I write that down on paper, it's really clear to me that that's a no. Mm -hmm. That's a no for me. And this is where I think my work and my message around being deeply rested and wildly successful really, really comes to the surface for me. It's like wild success. I cannot have I cannot be wildly successful if I'm not also deeply rested. So mm-hmm. it's the relationship between the two leading with the rest first. So I will only say yes to a business structure that allows rest. And then I'm going to have to adjust my lifestyle accordingly so that my business can support that lifestyle and then really check myself every time that lifestyle creep starts pushing up the expectations on the business like that's when I have to take a big step back and check myself, which is this conversation Jonathan and I are having right now. Um, okay. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I love that you mentioned that relationship because that's going to change my answer, you know, depending on how much I want to work. Like if I am generating this money that I used to live on through my business, it's like, what do I want to do in my business? And it's like, I do want to, I love relationships with people. So I, I love like, like you were talking about having to readjust. It's like, Oh, I miss this connection when you're looking at scaling in certain ways. And then it's, yeah, I think about, I love small groups of people and that's not very scalable or that's not, you know, um, but that's what I love and find enjoyment in. So mm-hmm. I am somewhat, I don't want to say I'm limited. I don't want to have like a, like a negative mindset about that, but there's only so much that you can do as one person working with small groups of people through your business and liking, you know, that one-on-one time or small group time. And so however much money I can get from that, then that's going to determine the type of lifestyle that I have. And if I really value my time and my rest, I'm going to make those decisions differently um, when it comes time for new things or how can I, because um, if I had like the unlimited funds, like you said, because I, I have expensive tastes, like I love really nice quality things. And when I'm searching for something to buy, like I research those reviews and I'm like, it is nice to find a good deal where it's like, oh, this is high quality, lasts a long time. And it's a little bit cheaper than this. Mm -hmm. Okay. How amazing. But 
a lot of the times when you are searching for those things that are high quality that will last long, they, they are expensive. So I do right, have that, yeah. that expensive taste. So I love that you're talking about that relationship between, because you are going to have to go back and reassess, like, what am I willing to do in my business Yes, in order to get the amount of money that maybe I think I need for, for my lifestyle. And I just want to like really feel into this with you for a second. I, that I, so there are so many aspects of being a highly sensitive introverted entrepreneur that just feel like a bind every Mm -hmm. single day. Like so much of, um, my life feels like a bind, right? The bind between being a highly sensitive introvert who wants alone time and freedom from people, but also thrives in small groups. You know, and like mm-hmm. this is a bind every day of like on the one hand, I just want everyone to leave me alone. And on the other hand, like not being in small, intimate groups of people um is so sad. And <laughs> and how do we justify that in our businesses? And the same with ambition, right? Mm-hmm. That like I'm I'm sensitive, I have low energy, I have to really moderate. Um how much time and effort I put into my business. And on the other hand, I'm really ambitious. Like I want to be incredibly successful. You know, I I wouldn't mind being like a little bit famous in my <laughs> industry, but here's the spine between energy and ambition, between autonomy and togetherness, between really liking to buy nice high quality things, but really not wanting to to work that much. And I feel like this is this is like the common human experience that really connects us as highly sensitive entrepreneurs too, is that we are all sitting in these binds every single day and it can be really hard and really complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. Yeah, it's complicated. <laughs> There's not an easy way to um, to think about these topics that we're talking about, because there are those binds, it's the push and pull. And how do you find like that, that happy medium? And, and sometimes that changes. And oh my gosh, I feel like it changes every week for me, mm-hmm. which just adds to the complexity of the whole thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even my mind is just swirling like just <laughs> about the so topics big. that we're talking about today because i don't even know how to how to put into words like yeah. what what i do for this or how i manage it because i don't know that i really am managing it i'm just figuring out it out as i go i mean i think the fact that we're sitting here having a conversation about this is like great progress for our people <laughs> you know like okay like highly sensitive entrepreneurs unite like let's talk about how complex our experiences can feel um so i think we're killing it in terms of like <laughs> figuring this out together um i also i was just going to say linking back to our conversation last week about rest as revenue and really getting creative and thinking about how your business pays you in ways other than money like i think that my business pays me in the sweet privilege of having time and space to just have this conversation with you mm-hmm. right the fact that and again this was really highlighted for me when I was back in Texas and I saw people just going to work, coming home, having no time or space for themselves, for personal exploration. It's like, wow, my business is paying me and the ability to sit down for an hour today just to journal about this bind that I'm in, you know, and just to think about balance and to think about the the many choices that I get to 
to choose from in terms of like how I'm constructing my life, how I am creating the architecture of my business. Like my being an entrepreneur, my business is paying me just in the ability to do this right now. And that feels so good in my body. It's like suddenly I don't care that maybe I'm not making as much money as I want to, or I didn't quite meet those arbitrary revenue goals because I'm like, I'm having this conversation with you at 11 a.m. on a Wednesday. Like what a gift. Yeah. Yeah. It is really beautiful. And I think when you put it that way, it, uh, it makes it a little easier to not get caught up in the things that are so easy to suck us in and related to productivity and revenue and, and dollar amounts and, and being able to decide what is, what is truly enriching for us and what is truly, um, nourishing for us. And for most people, it isn't the money. And I don't want to discount the importance of money in a capitalistic oh, society for survival, for like you have to have it kind of up to a certain amount. And that's going to be different for different yes. people. But when Decide it gets what that amount is for you. Yeah. When it gets up to that certain amount for you as an individual, like who you are with all of your factors taken into consideration, when it gets to that amount, like do, are you going to, um, I don't want to say allow, cause sometimes it sneaks up on you and you're not conscious of it, but that's when you have to start making those decisions about lifestyle creep. And it's like, I'm working this much harder for this much money, but because I've increased my lifestyle, it's I'm working harder and everything's exactly the same as it was when I didn't have to work as hard and my lifestyle was maybe a little bit different. So it's like, what were the trade-offs, right? How much less time do I have to rest, to hike, to paint, to take a nap? Like we have to weave those variables into this equation as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any final thoughts on, on this topic? I mean, I think we've, it's just been a real privilege to talk this out with you. Um, I love that we're both so clear. Neither of us have the answers. Like we have not figured this out. I don't know anyone who has figured this out. So I guess my final thoughts are just that can, you know, may we all make more space in our lives with people who understand these complex nuances and these binds to just be in dialogue about the ways that we're making decisions and and to support each other in the places where we feel challenged and to give ourselves permission to walk away from the dominant narrative which is every quarter you need to make more you know to and more and more and more and maybe just remove ourselves from that and really root ourselves into what feels good what makes us feel alive that's always like, you can never go wrong when you come back to that question. So that's, I guess those are my final words and just a lot of gratitude to you, Cindy, for just playing with me today and letting this conversation unfold in in such a natural way. Yeah. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here and yeah. Let people know how they can find out more about you. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Uh, you can visit my website at meganmeganson.com and then you can sign up for the Happy Therapist Masterclass, which is the little workshop I put together to help folks uh, take those first initial steps towards creating more freedom and playfulness and room for rest in their own businesses. Um, so I'll share all of those links with you, Cindy, and would just be thrilled and honored to have anyone who wants to join the community 
hop in and, you know, play with us. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining me today. For episode 83, I'll be talking about email, why I'm tired of it, and what I'm doing to ease the overwhelm. I hope you'll join me. I'm truly grateful that you choose to join me here for practical, nature-based, magical support for your business and life. For more inspiration and to see what I'm up to, join me over on Instagram at Mountain Practice Journeys. If you're enjoying yourself here, please head over to Apple Podcast and hit those five stars and I'll be over the moon. If you'd like to work with me, join me in Forest Mind, my cozy, supportive, small group mastermind for introverted, highly sensitive solopreneurs who help and heal. And I'd love to see you at a tiny retreat sometime. May the forest be with you.